Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. our final week of uh, Connected. Uh, you know what, when we first started talking about this idea, we, what we realized was is that it is so important that you connect with the right people. Uh, it, it's no different than if you have kids in your house, or maybe you are a giant kid, um, but if you have kids in your house, and hopefully they have some Legos, because Legos are the building blocks of life, right? And so you just don't want to step on them in the middle of the night. But other than that, they're fantastic to have around your house and your kids when they first start learning. You know, they got to follow the instructions. They gotta, you got to put the right pieces in the right places, and if you do that, you can build something great. And what we determined was, is when it comes to our relationships, if you get the right people in the right places, you can build something great, because God is relational, and he designed you for relationships. And so our relationships are so important. And what we don't want to do is fall into this trap of only having accidental relationships, right? Because if you think about maybe the dumbest moments of your life, you can track it back to who you were with. Can I get a does that ring true for you? Like I have my stories, but let's not reminisce. And so, but the point is like, we don't want just accidental relationships. What we want is intentional relationships. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. Who are the four most important people we need to intentionally seek out and the four most important relationships we need to cultivate. And so we talked about week one, go watch the whole series. A guy named Jonathan, you need a great friend. Life is hard and you don't want to do it completely alone. You want a friend. And, and sometimes a friend that's just absolutely supportive, gives you a hug, cries with you, listen to you, you know, just let you vent, be yourself, all those good things. Uh, you also need uh, other people in your life too. Uh, last week, as a matter of fact, Pastor Nate, can we give Pastor Nate a big hand? Thank you so much for filling in for me when I was gone. And Pastor Nate has the gift of encouragement, just so you know. So that was right in his wheelhouse. But the idea of, of encouraging and having just a, a reputation of encouragement. Babe, when we were in Vermont, we heard some encouragement, didn't we? There was this funny story. I'm coming out of the airport and this woman starts yelling at us and it doesn't sound nice. And I, it, I feel like, what did I do? Why are you yelling at me? And I, it, finally, she yells three times before I understood what she was saying. Now, if you know anything about my wife, my wife is an accessorizer. Is that a word or a verb or a thing? That she accessorizes a lot with her outfits. She wears, you know, so this woman's yelling at us. She's like, I like your shoes. <laughs> and it was like, normally, if you just see somebody that you like their shoes, you just think to yourself. Oh, those are some cool shoes. You don't wait until somebody's 30 yards away and then yell at them. But that woman's an encourager. And so uh, it was, it was the weirdest thing because it didn't sound like, oh, I like your shoes. Like you, you need to say encouraging words with like a nice tone. It was like, I like your shoes because she was so far away. She had to like give her best yell. It was weird. Um, so anyway, you need an encourager in your life. You also need a Paul. We talked about that on week two. You need a mentor. You need a counselor. You need a guide, somebody older, wiser, smarter than you. I always say it like this. If you're the smartest person, you know you're in trouble. Yeah, you think about that for a second. And so, but today, I really think is the most crucial and the most important relationship that you need to have in your life. And, and it is, I want you to just be open with me this morning. Don't, don't get nervous on me depending on what your past church experience is because some of us have these bad church experiences that shape the way that we think. And so I want you to do is just kind of go into everything I say today with an open heart and an open mind. Everybody say, okay, pastor. Okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And so today I want to talk to you about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit because that is an intentional relationship that you need to cultivate. Let's pray as we begin.
God, we thank you for the opportunity to open up your words. And so, Holy Spirit, we do invite you. Speak to us. God, help us today to walk with you and to know you and to walk out of this place empowered and changed and more connected to you, Lord. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. We all said amen and amen. So the, the, the reason why I think this relationship is so important is because it's probably the most kind of overlooked when you normally think about God, you kind of think about maybe the way Jesus talked about God is this like fatherly, heavenly creator. And he sits on a throne, right? And then there's Jesus who came in physical form. And, and you know, we know that he talked and walked and did and lived and died and rose again. So we know that. So that's got like a, you can kind of get your head wrapped around that maybe. But then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you're like, I don't know what that is. That's the mystery part. You know, that's the unseen, the unknown. I can't quite get my head wrapped around it. And it makes sense. Maybe that's why the King James writer, uh, you know, put in like, it's not just Holy Spirit, it's Holy Ghost. It's a, it's a little bit of a mystery. We're, we're not even completely sure because the Holy Spirit really is the unseen presence of God operating right now, right here in you and around you. And as a matter of fact, when you go back into the book of Genesis, even the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has been here since the beginning doing his thing. And so Genesis one, two says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the, what the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so the way that the Hebrew writers would, would talk about it is they used a Hebrew word called Ruach. Can you, you want to say that with me for fun? Everybody say Ruach. Almost like you're hawking a loogie at the very end, like ha. It's a ruach. Yeah, that's gross. I'm sorry I did that to you. So, and what they would do is they would use a word, because you gotta remember the Hebrew language is this really small number of words, and they pack a lot of meaning into each word. So, in some ways, when you use the word ruach, it would literally mean just wind or breath, but it also could be used as spirit. And so, when the Old Testament writers wrote about the spirit of God, it was the ruach. And when you think about wind, what is wind? It's this invisible movement. You can't see it. You just see the effects of it. You know it's at work, but you can't quite get your hands wrapped around it. It's, it's, it's hard. And then there's this idea of, everybody say breath. So everybody goes, just go like, take a deep breath. You just, you just feel it, right? You just, it fills you up. And, and, and interestingly enough, I've, I've learned this more and more recently. I hang out with these like weightlift people. They're power lifters, right? So the girl that did the 411, yeah, she, she deadlifts 800 pounds or something stupid. So anyway, you know, Delano and different guys in our church. And so I'm hanging out with these guys and they get me into the gym and they get, start getting me doing the weightlifting. And, and one thing they always teach is how you use your breath. Like it's actually the most important thing to lifting heavy weight is your breath. And what you have to do is before you lift anything heavy, you have to take the biggest breath that you possibly can so that you can brace everything within you because you are most powerful when you have incredible breath. Let chew on that for a second. So this is this idea of there's breath, there's wind, there is spirit. And this is how the Old Testament writers kind of describe the spirit of God. Over 800 times throughout the scripture, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit at work. And so what we want to do is just figure out how do we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? That's got to be crucial. That's got to be important. Now, here's the kickback that I get, though, because I know you. And I have conversations with you and I know what my experiences have been like. And I know that there's basically two kickbacks that we have and they come from two extremes that we do with the Holy Spirit. So one extreme with the Holy Spirit, and depending on what kind of camp of Christianity you came up in, you might've seen this before. Have you ever seen a camp inside of Christianity that made it weird? 
Like it's, it just got weird in here. You ever been to a church and your eyes were like a deer in a headlight? You were like, oh my gosh, what just went down in here? And, and so again, there are other, I remember um, I was a youth pastor and we were doing water baptism and this kid came to me and he was like, pastor, I don't, I don't want to get water baptized. And I'm like, well, why not, dude? It's just, it's, it's I was explaining it to him. He goes, but pastor, what if I come up out of the water and I'm possessed and I start speaking in a crazy language and what? And I'm like, okay, the Holy Spirit doesn't possess people and take over. It's not poltergeist here. Okay. So like, but, but you could tell that he had been somewhere, seen some things, had some experiences and it, it just kind of freaked him out a little bit. And I'd been to that when I, when I was an early believer, I was, I went to all kinds. I went to a Pentecostal church or a charismatic church and went to different styles and types and camps of churches. And I saw stuff and I'm like, okay. That's different than my Southern Baptist upbringing. And so there is a temptation then to say, okay, that's, that's weird. And here's what I learned about Christians that make the Holy Spirit weird. I love you, but you was weird before you met Jesus. That's what I learned about you. You was weird before you met Jesus. You met Jesus, and you're still weird. But now you just blame your weirdness on God. And, and that's okay. We love you. But, but like that's, so it, it, sometimes in those camps, you got, you got people that do take it to an extreme and it, it kind of makes it weird. But don't let that keep you or prevent you from having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The other one is, is the one I would say most of us in this room probably struggle with. And that's just making him irrelevant. Now, again, I, I told you when I was young as a kid, I grew up in a Baptist church. And when I was older, I actually went to different charismatic Pentecostal schools or, or churches or whatever. And I remember like, okay, there, there are extremes out here. You can move way out over here. But then in my church growing, you just didn't talk about it. It was almost like you didn't talk about it because if we talk about it, something crazy could go down. And so let's, shh, let's not just, don't say nothing and maybe nothing will happen. And so anyway, but it was almost like, and, and so as a matter of fact, listen to this. There's a scripture in Acts that I think some people fall into this category. It says in Acts 19 that an apostle had found some disciples and asked them. Now again, not the disciples, just some people that were Jesus followers. And they said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, No. We didn't even know. You know, we, we didn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. That's brand new information to us. And so for many of us, this is where we're at right now. And, and maybe most people in the room, if we erred, we would err on never thinking about, never considering, never kind of opening our heart to the Holy Spirit. And that's the thing that we want to be careful of is that we don't kind of fall into these two ditches of either moving out and making it weird or moving out and just saying, shh, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And, and if you don't say anything, then nothing, nothing bad will happen. And so what I want you to do today is just open your heart and open your mind and realize that the Holy Spirit is the invisible presence of God wanting to operate in your life. And now I'm going to walk you through some big ideas. I want to teach you about who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in your life. Everybody say, okay. Okay, so follow along with me. Uh, number one is this. Number one, you need to know this. The Holy Spirit is God. Right? That's pretty simple. Um, some people aren't sure, and some people start taking the Trinity and, and, and don't know what to do with it, and it kind of throws them off a little bit, but the Holy Spirit is God. And the Bible gives him all the attributes of God. It characterizes, listen to this, that he's called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of wisdom, Spirit of, I'm not going to keep going, there's like, there's like 20 of those. And so he, he's given all the attributes of God. And so there's this idea sometimes when it comes to this, this Trinity, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how does that work? And sometimes it is hard to get your mind wrapped around, but that's normal because you're human and God is really big. 
right? Like infinitely big. So your ability to understand God is going to be limited. So if every once in a while you come across something, you're like, I don't know if I can totally make sense of that. That's okay. You're not supposed to imagine a puppy trying to do calculus. That's you, right? So, so God is just bigger than you. And and just because the Trinity is, is, is kind of like Without comparison, it's not an illogical idea. It's that God is three and one and one and three and, and that there's a, a, a unity and a, and a beautiful harmony and relationship and oneness going on there. And the Holy Spirit is a part of that. He is God. He's not God Jr. He's not mini God, right? He's not, you know, any of those things. So n- number two is this. Number two is he is a person. This takes us out of the Star Wars realm, right? The Holy Spirit is not the force. You don't want to be one with the force, you know, the force is with me and I am with the force or whatever that guy said. I remember that's not what we're talking about here. The Holy Spirit is actually a person. That's crazy to think about because he's given not only the attributes of God, he's given the attributes of a person because in the Bible, it says you can lie to the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't think you can lie to a force, right? A force is like an inanimate thing. Just what you, but he said, no, you can lie to the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. That's an emotion. Have you ever felt grief before? You're like, man, that's a deep emotional response to something hard in life. You grieved over the loss of something. And so the Bible says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And so there's all these ideas about the Holy Spirit uh, that give him these personal attributes. So the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a force. It's not Obi-Wan Kenobi with the lightsaber. It's none of that. It's a person. Number three is this, is the Bible says he is our comforter. Now let me read to you, because if you want to read... John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Go read those three chapters of the Bible. That is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to highlight some of those ideas. And so John chapter 14, listen to what Jesus says. This is him speaking. He goes, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. So that he can abide with you forever. This spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him because he dwells with you and will be in you. And so he uses this idea, everybody say helper. Now that's just the way one, because we don't know how to like, sometimes like, ever heard the, the idea of lost in translation? You're like, how do you move from Greek to English? And how, how do you translate that word? So the NIV or whatever might've said the word helper, but another word or, or, or translation Bible says counselor. It's actually the word in the Greek where they would use the word parakletos. There's no, there. There's just, as we move to Greek now. Most of the New Testament was written in Greek. But the parakletos literally means the intercessor, the counselor, the advocate, the comforter, the the helper. So I want you to know you've got a, a comforter in this life. You have a helper in this life. The Holy Spirit, what he wants to do is come along with you and be in you to help you. We'll help you do what? Let's keep going. He is your sense of conviction is the next one I want to talk to you about. Because it says this in, in, in John chapter 16. So he's got this sense of conviction. Now, be careful. That's a good word. Listen to how Jesus describes it. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, I need you to like realize like Jesus was in bodily form and he was in one place at one time at any given moment, right? And so what Jesus was saying is, hey, it's better if I go because I'm one Jesus and there's going to be six billion of y'all soon. I can only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit can be in all of you, both with you and in you. And that's better, because then he can be in all of you, and I can only be in one place at one time. There's this fascinating story that I I read recently, because in the Bible it describes Jesus saying, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to send the helper. 
Um, there's this story of this man. He was a Norwegian explorer. He was the first explorer to go and discover the North Pole and the South Pole and go to both of them. His name was, and I have a hard time saying it because it's just a weird name, Roald Amundsen. Roald Amundsen. I don't know. You can read about him. He's a real explorer. And, And so what he did, though, on one of his trips is he actually, when he got to the pole, he released a homing pigeon to go back home. I thought, how fascinating. Can you imagine the wife? Because what the wife, the indicator to the wife was this. My husband is alive and he has reached his destination. Right? And that's really what happens with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were like, okay, so you're leaving, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. So when they received the Holy Spirit, you know what they realized? He's alive and he has reached his destination. And he has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us now. So let's keep going. That That was a freebie. So let's keep going. So he says, but if I go, I'm going to send him to you. Verse 8 says, and when he comes, because he's coming, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And here we see these ideas of like, wow, this, I want you to know like Holy Spirit conviction is a powerful thing. It's a good thing. It is the thing that alarms you. When something is wrong or harmful, is going to dishonor God or hurt you or hurt somebody else. So he says, man, there's going to be a sense of conviction about you. And if you remember before you met Jesus and then after the fact, you realize that when you crossed that line of faith and were walking with Jesus, all of a sudden you came up to something that back in the Dizay you would have been fine with. On any other Friday night, you'd have been all right with that back in the day. But now you're like, eh, something doesn't feel Right, but it doesn't feel like this is the right thing to do. The way I treated that person, or the actions, or the you know, I, I just ah, ha, ha, ha. And you're like, I don't know how to describe. Ah, ha, ha, ha. It's that sense of conviction on you. And so he said he convicts you concerning um, concerning sin, but also like righteousness. Like one of the things that the Holy Spirit reminds you is that who you are. No, no, you're righteous. You are right before God. You're a child of God. You have been forgiven through Christ. You have been made righteous. By the way, not by anything good that you've done, but because of who Christ is. You're righteous. You don't have to live with guilt. You have to live with shame. I know all that stuff that you did in your past. Everybody else would want to embarrass you and shame you for all that stuff, but you're free. You're forgiven in Christ. And so the Holy Spirit comes along and reminds you of that. And then the third thing is that he reminds you of or or convicts you of, of sin and righteousness, but also of judgment. I think the, the bigger idea would be this, that, that eternity is at stake. Like the Holy Spirit reminds you, no, 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 there, there's a life after this life. And what I do in this life matters. What I do in this life has a carryover. There, there's rollover minutes here. There's, there, there's something that, that, that passes from this life into the next life. And how I treat people matters. And what I do with my life matters. And it, it, it's important how I live life. So it's not just enough to be forgiven. It's not just enough to avoid sin. I want to live a life, a life of legacy. That, that eternity is always on my mind. Like, no, no, this matters. In this life and in the life to come. And so this is this idea of conviction. Everybody say, all right. Now, the next one is this. This is number five. He is your guide. Y'all didn't think I had those numbered, but I did. I normally don't number anything, but I have them numbered. He's your guide. The Holy Spirit is the greatest decision-making helper that you can possibly have. He guides you. The Bible says it like this. Let's read it because this is so good. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. 
So he's your guide in life. But you know what the, the Jesus hones down is like he guides you in truth. Well, God uses this thing called the Bible as truth. And what have you ever noticed? I don't know if you were like this. I hope you were, because it means the Holy Spirit's at work in you. Before you met Jesus, if you ever looked at a Bible, it just looked weird. Weird people with weird names, doing weird stuff, none of it made sense. That was the way it was for me. And then all of a sudden I become a Christian. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh. This makes so much more sense. It's like I could it's like I can see clearly now. It's it's I can, I can understand it. It's, it's starting to like speak to me. And, and why? Because the Holy Spirit was now at work in my life as a Christ follower to help me understand the truth of God's word. And so I'm telling you, it just kind of takes shape that way. But then because of the Bible, what, the Bible, what I think the Bible is, is that the, the Holy Spirit uses the words of Scripture to speak to you the right thing at the right time. Can I say that again? The Holy Spirit uses Scripture to speak the right thing to you at the right time. And so if you ever wanted to like, God, what do I do next? How do I handle this? Where do I go here? Many times a lot of the decisions that we make in life are not moral decisions, right? Sometimes it's like, do I take that job or do I stay at this job? Do I start dating him or not dating him? Do I, they're not moral decisions necessarily. They're decisions that require a nuance. How do you figure those out? And I'm telling you, this is where you pray and the Holy Spirit, that invisible presence of God guides you, nudges you, pushes you, gives you a sense of eh, like that's, remember that one, eh, or he gives you that sense of yeah, and he guides you through life. And so, but he uses the scripture to do that and he uses you to guide you through truth that way. Here's number six is this, is he glorifies Christ. Listen to what the scripture says. The Bible says in verse 14, this is the very next verse from what we just read. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. So this is this idea that Jesus is the center point, right? So any place, this, is, this has always been some of my resistance to certain camps in, in, of Christianity, is that they make the Holy Spirit the emphasis and look down upon anybody that doesn't. But when you read what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he said the Holy Spirit will never make himself the emphasis. The Holy Spirit will make Christ the emphasis. So wherever Christ is being glorified, you can tell the Holy Spirit is at work. And that's the goal of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to glorify Christ in the earth and in your life personally. And then number seven, lastly, is this. Lastly is, is that the Holy Spirit, he empowers you. Now, you see this to become so evident. Now, again, the Spirit of God in the Old Testament is there at creation. But then you see him coming upon, like the first person he comes upon is Joseph to help him interpret dreams. And then you see him come upon different people like Samson. And then he comes upon the prophets and helps them. By the time you get to the Holy, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, it says that Jesus had the Spirit without measure. And then he takes it at the end of his life. He actually has this moment where he breathes on the disciples. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then just like 40 days later on the day of Pentecost, they have this moment, they're all praying in a room and the Bible says that they all are empowered or baptized. There's all these terminologies like you're filled with, come upon, baptized with, the Holy Spirit is in you and around you. And so you have this idea of the Holy Spirit at work in you, but the Bible says in Acts chapter two, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter one, this is what Jesus is still telling him right before he leaves. He goes, you will receive Power, everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. God wants to empower you. Some of us live defeated lives. 
We have faith in Jesus. We love the grace of God. But man, then we just struggle. We end up repeating this sin and then we shake it for a little while and we go back and repeat that sin again. We just kind of live in this, this kind of roller coaster Christianity where we're up one minute and down the next. So the Holy Spirit wants to buy this, this trip to Vermont. I was so blessed because the couple flew us out there. And on the way out there, we was up in first class. Now, I don't know if you know, first class is awesome. Now, now I don't think we were technically in the first, first class, we were, but it was nice. It was nice. We weren't in the bubble chairs yet. We, we were right. But anyway, it was nice. And, you know, if you've ever flown in first class, they bring you the hot towel, which I don't understand, by the way. I don't, I'm like, no, thank you. I don't, what do I take a bath real quick? I don't know what you want me to do with that. And they just bring, and then like, so like, I don't know if you know, but when you travel, it's important because this is literally across the country. You've got to have movies so you don't go insane, right? So I download, you know, the newest Avenger movie and I download one other movie and I get there and then all of a sudden there's this screen that pops up that's my screen, this big, just sitting right in front of me. And there's like 25 free movies on it and the movies that I downloaded are sitting right there for free. I'm like, well, that was a waste. So you know what I did? I saved those movies and watched other movies. But that's beside the point. And, and, and so, but when you're there, we were in like the bulkhead area too. So like we could literally do this. We could just stretch. I could do yoga if necessary. They're bringing you drinks and food and there's a big screen that's just yours and you can do whatever with. And you just, it's so awesome. Now on the way home, something happened. All right, this couple has a dog that they love, and some of you people love your dogs, and I totally get that. You have a unique relationship with your dog, and they're like, they love their dog. Little, little Dotson, little long-haired girl Dotson, pink bow in her hair, name was Abby, right? A cute dog. And they're like, oh my gosh, the people that were going to take the dog back home for us, something happened, can you please take the dog back? And we're like, of course, yeah, 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 we love dogs, so take the dog. And so, what, but, but see, what happened was, because you're up in these bulkhead seats, there's no chair in front of you. Well, you got to, by some type of dumb law or regulation, have to have the dog underneath the seat in front of you. So what they informed us was, is that we had lost our really nice business class, yoga-friendly seats. Because the dog, right? And so what happened was, they're like, yeah, you got to go to the back. So we're back in row 50-something. And, you know, there's three seats here. There's an aisle and there's three seats here. So I'm here. And all I have is this. My, my whole world, because my wife is an armchair hog. I love you uh, so much. It's, it's this. And it's this. And you have to convince yourself in your mind. You're like, okay, oh, oh, oh. Todd, you're going to be on this plane for hours and you can do this. And you have to like coach. I have to do that. I have to coach myself into it so I don't get weird and claustrophobic and freak out. And so I'm just kidding, but it's, it's close. It's close. This is the difference between you living with the Holy Spirit and living without. Some of y'all living like this and that's all you got in life. And you wonder why Christianity maybe is a struggle or not fun or why you struggle with your faith at times or why you maybe struggle with sin and temptation and certain things. Why? What do you expect? You're living with this. Versus yoga-friendly, hot towel, free movie environment. You're empowered when you have the Holy Spirit. You are like a sailboat in the ocean and there's no wind without the Holy Spirit. 
You need the wind. You need the breath. Last illustration, and I'll close, is this. There's, a, there's an incredible story about a man named Mr. Yates who owned a sheep ranch in Pecos County, West Texas, back during the Depression. Literally was struggling to feed his family and buy clothes. He was living on government aid and subsidies and all kinds of stuff. And he's sitting there with this sheep ranch and he's figuring out, I can't pay the bills. I'm struggling. They're going to take away the ranch. I don't know what to do. And this went on. He was just living a struggling life. And then all of a sudden this seismograph crew shows up seemingly randomly. And they're like, hey, you know, this is West Texas. It's possible. Maybe there's some oil on your land, why don't we check and see? And we'll just do up a contract. And if there's oil, then we'll partner with you to, to do the oil. And we'll do it. It's called a wildcat well or something. I don't know what it is. And so they dig a well. And just over a thousand feet deep, they strike this kind of oil thing. And no lie, 80,000 barrels of oil a day. Then they were like, well, there might be more. They start looking more. They find another well area that has 125,000 barrels a day that they can prove. It's insane. And what I want you to see is this. It had been there the whole time. You See, when you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit is available to you right then and right there. But if you don't know that it's there, then you're like Mr. Yates, living broke, busted and disgusted, tore it from the floor and can't pay attention. And that's the way many of us live life because we don't know who the Holy Spirit is and what we don't recognize is that there's a relationship with this Spirit of God. He is a person and what He wants to do is comfort us when we're struggling, to guide us when we feel a little bit lost, to convict us at the right time and the right way, to, to, to help us understand Scripture, to help us discover God's plan for our life. I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit is a person and you can cultivate a relationship with Him. And I don't know that that looks the same for every person, but here's how I would encourage you to begin your next day and the days to come and hopefully the seasons of life to come is to begin your day with a simple little prayer that goes something like this. Holy Spirit, would you please make me more aware of your presence? Holy Spirit, would I be open to your voice, to your guidance, to your nudging? Holy Spirit, would I just be aware that although I can't see you and you might be the invisible presence of God, that God, you are up to something powerful in my life to help me glorify Jesus, to help me know and walk with God, to help me live an empowered life. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray today. Holy Spirit, God, we want to acknowledge you this morning. We want to honor you this morning. We want to thank you this morning. Because here's my guess, if we looked into our past right now, we would see a lot of little invisible guidance that we didn't know was going on, but it was happening. And Holy Spirit, we thank you today that you were guiding us even when we were unaware. Holy Spirit, we want to have a relationship with you where we just become aware that you're up to something in us. That sometimes the voice that is within us is you trying to speak to us. That there's so little things that you're doing to guide us and to help us. That God, you are the source of power and strength that we need to live this life. God, you are there to convict us of sin, but you're also there to convict us of our righteousness in Christ Jesus, that we have been freed and forgiven in Christ. Lord, we thank you, and Holy Spirit, we pray, be active in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name, and we all said, amen. amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. 
For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.